Before we get into the message this morning, uh, as we did last week, I appreciate Brother Allen sharing his story. This week I've asked Brother Ken Collins, or actually he, he told me he was willing to share his story. So I'm going to ask Brother Ken to come and, and share his testimony with us this morning. Well, you know, it's so easy to say I'm going to, but then when you get ready, you get so nervous and everything. But... You know, I become a Christian right before my wife and I got married, and that's been 55 years ago. So we've had a long time together, me and the Lord and me and my wife, and we raised five children. And it's been such a blessing. I remember one time many years ago when I was with a teacher, he went to visit some of his class members, and he, we sat down at the kitchen table, and he called a little child in, and he talked to her, and finally she accepted Christ. And her mother wound up rededicating her life at that time. And we thought that was so good. But off to the side, there was another child that was standing there. And the man asked him, come on in. And he did, and he said, do you want to accept Christ? And she said, she did. So it, it's such a blessing to know that God watches over you, and protects you all the way. And so life can be so great as a Christian, but don't you believe it. So now you say, that's confusing. What he means is joy to be a Christian and not. Well, Satan will attack you once you become a Christian. When, right after I retired, I was home enjoying life with my family and all, and I come sick one time. I mean, I was really sick. And so I didn't want to visit nobody. So finally, my wife talked me going to the doctor. And they had me on call then. He looked at me and he examined me. And he walked. I'll come back a little bit. He said, go to your private physician in about three days. It's probably just a virus. Next day, I was so sick, I didn't want to see nobody. I didn't want to talk. So my wife forced me, and I'll say forced me to go to the hospital at the time we were in Slidell, our primary care. And as soon as I walked in, they'd done some quick blood work, and the doctor looked at me and said, well, another three days, you wouldn't have had to go visit nobody. You'd been growing flowers from down below. So, you know, God pulled me through that. My wife, she had one knee surgery. It went great. No problem at all. And she decided a few years later she had to have the second one. Well... Something went wrong. She had to go up to ICU. And while she was up there one night, suddenly she quit breathing. And all the nurses on that floor, every one of them rushed in there and helped pull her through until the doctor come. So once again, God was with us. My second to youngest son, he was learning to be a tugboat captain. He was offshore right off Alabama, towing a rig out towing the barge out, and they had the big nylon rope they were using at that time. Under very strangeness, it popped loose, hit him beside his head, and they had to air vacuum to the University of Alabama. And if they hadn't took and drilled in his head to relieve the pressure, we wouldn't have had him with us today. So God has pulled us through again. But Satan wasn't done. Many years before that, my oldest son, he was doing what he figured he should have done. One day we found him with a gunshot wound to the head. But still, God pulled us through all of that. And so, you know, 
Satan is on your back all the time. So why should we become a Christian? Well, the only thing I can really tell you on that is first you'll miss the joys of seeing God's hand at work in things around you, things around the nation, around the world. When it looks so terrible, you can still see his hand at work there. But the bottom line is when you depart from this earth, where will you go? Will you go to heaven or will you go down? And the only way to know for sure in that is when you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Brother, God sustains and cares for His children. We were talking about, the, about God's providence in Sunday school this morning, how He ministers to creation itself and takes care of us. I'll tell you, the Bible says that in this life you will have trouble. Now, I listened to Brother Ken's testimony, his story, as I said, all of our stories are different. And his story, all the things that God has brought he and Miss Katie through, I can understand that they may have gone through those very things. But had they had to go through them apart from the Lord, where would they be? You and I are going to face problems in our lives. We're going to face trials, but we need to face them knowing that we are on the side of Jesus Christ. Um, hope you've got your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 1. I don't want to talk as much about John's encounter with Jesus, his initial encounter, as I do John's own testimony of his experience with Jesus. It's always amazing to me how God works things out. I didn't ask Brother Ken ahead of time what he was going to share. But every bit of his testimony had to do with the experiences that God has brought him through. Uh, the life that God has called him into living and has sustained him through the, the hardships. Well, John's testimony is one of experiencing God, of experiencing life in Christ and walking with Him and knowing Him. And that's what I want us to read together, the first four verses of uh, the, the little short letter of, of 1 John. John testifying here, he says, That which from the be- was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. John talks about his experience. And and look, let me give you a little background here. John's writings are believed to be the latest writings in the New Testament. The Gospel of John is believed to be the last Gospel that was written. John's letters are believed to have come even after many of Paul's letters. And the book of Revelation, written by the hand of John, was believed to be uh, the last writing that we have in the New Testament, not only uh, because it's at the end of the book, but as it was written, that's when it was written. Why do I say that? Because John, in writing this letter, in writing 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, his epistles to the churches, John is getting to be an old man. John was a young guy when Jesus called him. Many believe he was quite young, maybe a teenager, maybe 15, 16 years old, working on the boat boat with his brother, catching fish. 
And Jesus came down that beach one day and he called him and John followed after him. And you can trace John's story through the gospel. That it, 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 John refers to himself in his gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, Jesus loves everybody, right? We sang just a little while ago, yes, Jesus loves me. All right, Jesus loves us all. But John understood the love that Christ had personally for him. You know, it's one thing to say Jesus loves everybody, but it's another thing to say Jesus loves me. That it is personal. We see that in John's story in the Gospels. We see that it's John who, who rested upon Jesus at the Last Supper drew close to him. We see that it was John who, who went with Peter to the empty garden tomb that Easter morning. We see all these things about his story. But here, years later, as an old man, John is writing about who Jesus is. Not about just who he was, but who he is. And a couple of things in John's experience with Jesus that I believe we see in his testimony, in his story as he tells it here. Number one, we see a knowledge of his presence. John says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. See, all these years, here's what I like about John. John met Jesus and he never got over it. I know a whole lot of people in churches today that met Jesus and I don't doubt their salvation. They had a salvation experience. They came and had an encounter with Jesus Christ but somewhere along the line they just got over it. The fire died and they're just passing time. Here's what John went through. Historians believe that John was boiled in oil, that he was, uh, uh, that he was uh, scheduled to be executed a couple of different times. Ultimately, he was exiled to the island of Patmos where he had this experience with the Lord and wrote the, the book of Revelation. He was an old man. Jesus uh, spoke about John when Peter was talking about uh, his, his way of, of dying. And, and Peter looks at John and says, what about him? And Jesus says, what is it to you if, if he hangs around till I come back? You worry about doing what you're supposed to do. That's a paraphrase, by the way. All right. But, but, but here's what he's saying. John is saying, I never got over Jesus. I had this experience, this, this life that I lived for three years upon this earth and now walk with him even after his death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And I want to tell you about it because I've not got over it because the Lord has been with me and is with me all these years later. John is still excited about Jesus. Amen. Let me... Let me cause trouble, all right? What if our experience with Jesus was directly connected with our excitement about Jesus? It's not, all right? Lord loves you no matter how sour and grumbly you are. And I can say that to me. I've been sour and grumbly a few times this week, all right? So I'm just preaching to me, letting y'all listen. Alright? Lord loves you no matter how sour and grumbly you are. But what if? What if our experience, our life with Jesus, our, our, our fellowship with Him, what if it was directly connected with our excitement about what He's done for us? How much of Jesus would you have in your life today? Some days I wouldn't have a whole lot. 
Some days I would just be in sad shape. But it's not dependent on that. But I want us to analyze that. Think about your excitement, your zeal for the Lord, your enthusiasm for what He's done. I tell you, we had Sunday school. If you don't go to Sunday school, go to Sunday school. Man, that'll get you wound up. We was in Sunday school this morning. We were talking about God's creation and we're going around the table talking about all these wonderful things that God has done and what He's doing and how He works. And it's like, man, that's good stuff. And you just leave out, you know, a little closer than when you came in. Here's what John says. John says, this is who we know. This is the Jesus who I have a knowledge of His presence, who was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Let's look at these words here for just a couple of minutes. Number one... John had a knowledge of the presence of Jesus because guess what? He listened to Jesus. He said, the Jesus that I'm talking about is the Jesus that I listen to. When he speaks, I listen. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. And if we would spend time listening to Jesus as much as we listen to everything else in the world, we'd be a lot better off. There are some things, I mean, I got no problem. You live your life, you do what you want to do. But if you don't carve out that time to listen to Jesus, and you're listening to the news, and you're listening, I want to tell you, I, I, I've, I, I limit myself to my intake of news every week. I want to know what's going on in the world. But you know some of the saddest, grumbliest, most unhappy people I know? Are people just sitting watching news all day long? I couldn't do it. I'll be looking for somebody else because if I didn't, I mean, I'd be run away or something. You know, 30 minutes a day, that's plenty. You know what's going on in the world. You're up on current events. You know what's happening. But they repeat the cycle every 30 minutes and it's just like, the world is so bad. And it is. But God is so good. And if I would listen to what's going on in the world and then listen to what Christ says about what's going on in the world, how much greater would my life be? And I listen. Well, that's what we should do. I mean, you look at what's going on. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on the news and I'm like, that's in the Bible. And I go back and I look at that. You read Ezekiel 38 and you look what's going on in the world right now and tell me it doesn't line up. There are things that are there that, that are parallel. And you read and you understand and you listen to the Word of God. And that's what he's saying. This is Jesus who we listen to. This is Jesus who we watched. He said, we have seen with our eyes. What a statement from John. If there was ever a loaded statement in Scripture that there's a whole lot more to it than what's there on that piece of paper, that is the statement. John says, Jesus, who we've seen with our eyes. Now there was a limited number of people who saw Jesus upon this earth with their eyes. A generation there that was able to see His, his hand at work. There was even a greater limit to those who saw Him constantly and what he was doing, he had the 12 disciples that walked with him, John being one of them. And when John says this, Jesus, who I've seen with my eyes, think about what his eyes had seen. On more than one occasion, John saw Jesus raise the dead. We could use that here sometimes. Amen. All right. 
On more than one occasion, John saw Jesus put hands upon the blind and restore their sight to them. Uh, one of my favorite stories of healing, and, and I've shared it before, is when Jesus touched the leper. He touched the untouchable. John was there. He saw that. John was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus took upon His glory there in front of Him and, and, and Peter and, 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 and revealed Himself in all His splendor. John was there and he said, I've, I've seen Him. How humble is that? Now we haven't seen those things per se. We haven't seen Jesus reveal Himself in the way that He was real, revealed to John. He hasn't taken upon flesh and dwelled among us for three years doing these great wonders and miracles, but we have seen Jesus. If you have ever come in contact with Jesus Christ and He is alive in you, you have seen Jesus. Just as Brother Ken testified of the things that he had gone through, he could see the hand of God at work in those things. I, want, I, I dare say that we see Jesus stronger and better and more securely now than John did when he saw him with his eyes. Jesus is still at work. Here's the other thing. He was amazed by Jesus. He said, which we have looked upon. Now if you read that through, it says, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. You're like, isn't that the same thing? Isn't John being a little redundant? I've seen him. I've looked at him. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? That's why, that's why we need to study our Bibles. That's why we need to know where these words come from and what they mean and dig into the Scripture and understand them. Because that word looked upon is a little different than... He said, I saw him. I, I, I witnessed it. I, I can give testimony of the things that I've seen with my eyes. But I've also looked upon him. And when he says looked upon him, it brings with it this, this connotation of, of majesty that he is exalted, that he's put up in a public place, that he's, he's magnified. He was amazed by Jesus. There's a question for you. When's the last time you were amazed by Jesus? See, it says that in Scripture in many places. That Jesus would go and He would perform a certain miracle or a certain wonder and it says that they were amazed at what He had done. But you know where else it says that? It says that He spoke. And when he spoke, he spoke with one as authority, not as the scribes and the Pharisees, and the people were astonished. They were amazed at his very words. When's the last time you were amazed at the word of Jesus? When's the last time you were astounded at what he had to say to you? When is the last time you were, you were so intrigued by his word that you just couldn't put it down? John had this knowledge of Jesus' presence and he drew close to him. He says there, which we have handled, which our hands have handled. And now think about this in the context of John's story for a second. When all the disciples fled the night before the crucifixion, when Peter denied Jesus three times and the rooster crowed and he went out in the alley and he wept bitterly, when all these things were taking place, who was standing at the cross with Mary? John. John, standing at the foot of the cross with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus spoke these words.